Hello everyone, and welcome to Jay-Z and the Amazing Technicolor Podcast. This is episode 7, and I'm your host, Jeremy Zerby. The past couple of months have been really flown by. It's hard to believe it is almost Christmas and almost the end of the year. And it's been a pretty wild ride starting this podcast. So I want to thank each and every one of you for your support. And if you want to keep it going, simply buy me a coffee or share this podcast and show your support. Today, I would like to do something a little different. I wrote a piece for my blog the other day that seems to be really drawing some attention. And I would like to make some further commentary on it. But first, I want to start by reading that post here in its entirety. And then afterwards, I'm going to make some closing arguments. Let us begin. You are being misled, and the devil is absolutely loving it. The deal looked sweet. It was just too good to pass up. It was just within their grasp, if only they would change course. Just a little bit. They wouldn't be headed in a different direction, per se. Rather, move over into a wider road that would be a little easier to travel. They could keep spreading their own message, but with perks. The promise of growth, influence, and power. The year was 1976. Reverend Jerry Falwell Sr. went on a speaking tour across America with a sermon series called I Love America. His message was simple. America is in a state of moral and religious decay. Prayer was taken out of schools. Abortion was legalized. Our television had become a cesspool of, quote, pornography, violence, and sex. And, quote, situation ethics had become the behavior code of our country. Because of all of this, he said, I have been greatly burdened of God to lead the moral majority in America to stand up and be counted. I am absolutely convinced that the vast majority of all Americans believe in decency, the family, the home, Bible morality, and all that we have long considered holy and sacred. However, this great moral majority has been silent for all too long. For the average Christian, this message rang with truth. Many of them had watched as all of these things happened. They had been spreading the gospel, and despite their best efforts, the Christianity taking hold, if any was, looked nothing like their Christianity. So they took the fruit being offered and joined the moral majority. The message shifted from one of individual change to one more political in nature. They began to stand against the winds of cultural progress in the name of upholding Christian values. They ran for public office and got elected their reverends were allowed to rub elbows with the political elite. 
The movement in chapters grew as white evangelicals flocked to change America for the better, using the political machine, and specifically the Republican Party. But by the time Ronald Reagan was elected, the movement began a steady decline. Because people began to feel that the country was headed in a better direction. And by the late 1980s, the group dissolved. But the poison apple had been consumed. The deception was in full swing. Since then, the white evangelical community has ceased to be viewed as a religious movement and is rather viewed as a crucial voting block. Republicans, especially, court white evangelicals for votes in an attempt to gain, maintain, or increase power. White evangelicals love the attention. They have come to love having that kind of influence. And as a result, by and large, it has ceased to be about doing what is best for the country and become about keeping that power. I think it is safe to say that without the white evangelical vote, Republicans would have a hard time winning elections. This embrace of political power has successfully subverted the actual message that Christians claim to be spreading. Jesus called his early followers to become fishers of men. They were to go out and find people who had not heard the message Jesus was sharing and get them on board. Following Jesus was a lifestyle. You changed. You dropped everything and started on a new trajectory. In a way, Reverend Falwell was right when he bemoaned the religious decline in America, albeit in a way much different than he meant it. The focus had indeed shifted from what it once was. Being a Christian was no longer about life, but about avoiding death. And more specifically, the eternal hell promised by Jonathan Edwards. Fast forward, and now there is Herschel Walker. The Georgia runoff was two days ago at the time of writing. Watching the results was enough to give even the most seasoned political junkie anxiety. And the end count was close. Way too close. Because Walker was running against an actual reverend. A minister. A Christian minister. Someone actively doing the Lord's work. If Republicans need the white evangelical vote to succeed, that means white evangelicals voted against the minister. Because voting for the minister meant voting against a Republican. It would mean potentially losing some of their power. Where once white evangelicals were using the political machine, now the political machine is using them. Here's my point. The runoff in Georgia should never have been as close as it was. Why? 
because one of the supposed values of Christianity is that of integrity. That is why the Bible calls church leaders to be above reproach. But it does not stop there. The Bible also seems to indicate, in that same passage in 1 Timothy I am referencing, that this blamelessness, as the KJV renders it, extends outside the religious community. The church leader is to be a man in good standing with the broader society as well. It is a man free of scandal. If Christians were actually voting their values, they would carry this idea to those who will be representing them and the country. Clearly, they did not, as nearly 50% of people in Georgia supported a man who is nothing short of a walking scandal. They did the same thing in large numbers with Donald Trump. None of this has been about advancing the kingdom of God. Or at least it is not anymore. It is about power, plain and simple. Christians have abandoned their calling in pursuit of worldly pleasures and empty wealth. Christians, you need to do some soul searching. And you have some repenting to do. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Stopping abortion, defending the traditional family, etc. may be good causes. On the surface, there is nothing wrong with saying we need to reduce the number of abortions or we need to make families stronger. But at the end of the day, this is not the call that Jesus has made to those who are supposed to be his followers. Electing Republicans is not something that Jesus has demanded of his disciples. And I think you know that. But are you willing to make the necessary adjustments to change course? There's a two-fold challenge here with regards to that, that blog post I just read. First, there's the obvious one. The need for the church to repent of being led astray from the gospel that Jesus preached and reclaim the right message. This distraction is a peril that even the biblical authors and Jesus himself were concerned about. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, Fake messiahs and lying preachers are going to pop up everywhere. Their impressive credentials and bewitching performances will pull the wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. 
In other words, it is depressingly easy to be led astray from the message of Jesus. And when it happens, it is the Christian's responsibility to repent of the deception and call it out for what it is and change course. But there is another different kind of challenge with this idea. The challenge is that we've created an environment where Christians are given a choice. They can follow Jesus or they can follow the Republican Party. It is one or the other. We've created a situation in which you have to look a certain specific way to be considered an actual Christian, and it looks nothing like what Jesus or the early church had in mind. In particularly white America, Christianity looks like a middle-class Republican. They're anti-abortion, anti-immigration, pro-gun, anti-universal anything. They frown on those who need help and even discourage helping those in need unless they prove themselves worthy by seeking help through specific channels. And those channels often involve going to a white evangelical church and following an arbitrary set of rules that have little grounding in the scriptures. White American Christianity looks nothing like the Christianity of the Bible because it is not a religion at all, but rather a political movement. Thinking about the Georgia primary, this is made perfectly clear. Nearly 50% of the electorate voted for Herschel Walker, a lying, formal football player with an honorary sheriff's badge and baby mamas all over the country. Contrast this with his opponent, Reverend Raphael Warnock, an ordained minister since the 90s who's been involved with the civil rights movement. It is Christianity or political power. Contemporary Christian artist Rich Mullins was calling out this very thing during his ministry when he condemned the placement of the American flag behind the pulpits in American churches. He saw where it was then and where it was headed. And here we are. And so I urge you, as Joshua did the Israelites, Choose for yourselves who you are going to serve.